You are listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. Home is heaven. Home is not here. Can we thank the Lord for a testimony from our Myrtle Beach campus for the way that God reached and meets people right where they are uh, no, come on, we'll keep clapping right there. We've got to keep going right there. I know they're shouting in Myrtle Beach this morning because that's one of their sisters that they know. Kenza, I mean, unbelievable. If you have ever wondered, church, how in the world are people going to hear about God if they never come to church or if they grow up, you know, in a country that doesn't, doesn't know about Jesus? Well, there's the story. We hear these kind of things all the time. The Lord can reach everyone, everywhere. And he uses people like you and me, but sometimes he'll reach them right there in their dreams like she just testified to. And, uh, and so Ken's is a part of our Myrtle Beach campus. She and her husband and her family are there. And so one more time, let's give God the praise for that testimony this morning. <laughs> praise the Lord. Well, um, I, we had some other things up front that I wanted to talk about. I'm about to uh, continue our series on citizens of heaven and continuing specifically if you've got your Bibles and you want to open them up to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. We'll be there in just a moment. But before we get there, some things have happened in our earth over the last couple of days that we felt it important to stop and pray. Many of you saw yesterday and the day before all the things that are beginning to happen in Israel and around the Middle East. And we've got ministry partners there. We've got literal missionaries that are in region that we're in correspondence with and we are praying for. And uh, we wanted to give you guys some information to be praying for. And the way, best way to do this, because it's going to be real time and ongoing, is we're going to send out an email tomorrow morning in our need to know email. There's tens of thousands of you that receive this, but if you don't get that email, let me tell you how to do that. You just right where you are, text the words need to know to 30303 and you can sign up for that email. It'll come to you tomorrow morning. But specifically, our partner there in Israel is a, a group called Firm. And Firm partners with believers in region. And I was just over there this summer, and they have got Christians that come from Jewish background, Christians that come from Palestinian background, Christians that come from neither one of those backgrounds. And they are really beautiful in the way that they create unity around the gospel and they're going to be able to minister to the families in need and we'll send you more information about that tomorrow morning some of you have asked I wanted to put that in front of you and then I also wanted to ask us as a church could we pray and ask the Lord to be with those that are caught in the midst of this that the God of justice would be there the God of mercy would be there and protection and that the the Jesus good news would be able to make a way through the, the, the toughness of this moment. Would you join me in praying, church? Father God, we are so, so, so blessed to live in a world here in the United States where we don't necessarily feel what our brothers and sisters in Israel feel, but we know God and empathize with all the pain and hurt as best we can, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would protect your people. Would you protect and would you protect the Israel of Christ? And Lord, that you would use this generational upheaval to bring gospel good news to the region. And that you would use men and women who have your kingdom in mind to extend forgiveness and mercy. To bring justice and peace. And that Lord, we stop today and we lift up to you and say, God, we know you're close we know your return is closer now than ever. 
And so with that in mind, God, we come to you as your gathered people and we ask, have your way. Would you, Lord, bring the lost home? If there are sons and daughters that need to hear the good news, like our sister Kenza, would you bring them to you? Would you send good news messengers, missionaries, evangelists, men and women, common and ordinary, with the good news of Christ? And would you do it for your glory, our joy, and the world's good? We ask for shalom, for peace in Christ's name. And we all say together, Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. We'll keep you updated with that uh, and let you know how you obviously can step in in the days ahead. Now, today I mentioned it earlier. Uh, we had on plan to talk about this, but I want you to think about this today as we are going to talk about sexuality, listen to me, and gender today. That's where we're going. But I want you to not just listen for sound bites, I want you to take notes for your coworkers. I want you to listen today for your kids and your grandkids. And I want you to listen today so that you, you might be someone who is able to share the good news of the way and the design and the beauty of the gospel when it comes to this specific area. Because this specific area, kingdom identity, is something that inside of this Citizen of Heaven series, we know we've got to address because I believe it's one of the ways that we can actually fulfill this tagline we've been saying. Here's the tagline we've been saying throughout the whole series. If we are willing to be different, we will make a difference. This is not just a tweetable phrase. This is the truth of the gospel and one of the primary ways that you and I are called to live out the gospel is in who God has designed us to be. But what you're not going to get from me today is you're not going to get a whole bunch of, listen, I'm not coming with a tone of just talking down to anybody or anger. I'm coming with a tone of grace and truth. The Bible is going to do the work today. I'm going to do my best to get myself out of the way. My job is to just lift the word of God and let the word do the work. Are you okay with that, New Spring Church? Okay, listen, I need you to be with me today and listen actively on all of our campuses, all right? And so if there's something that resonates with your spirit, Christ followers, I need you to let me know you're with me, okay? And here's where we want to start. We've been saying this throughout the entire series. We have been leaning into both the book of 1 Peter and the book of Daniel because Daniel shows the story of the nature of the spirit of Babylon but Daniel also shows the nature and the story of the people of God that are filled with the Spirit of God. It's not just historic history, listen to me, but what happens in Daniel always happens. It's prophetic history. That's why Daniel doesn't just read like history, it reads like something that continues to happen. A way to say it is this, Daniel's not just what happened, it's what always happens. And so that's why it's gonna resonate with you and I today, that we are in the midst of a Babylon spirit that we see in the book of Revelation that's still here all the way until King Jesus comes to consummate and sit on his throne forever. And so we're in the midst of this. And Daniel and his friends are going to show us how to operate. Now Peter would write this same way thousands of years later and we're informed by that. So I want to start with 1 Peter 2. We're going to actually pick up there this morning and begin. Okay, 1 Peter 2, we'll pick it up in verse 11. It says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain. Everybody say abstain. abstain. All right. Sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which what? What are they doing? They wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct, your actions, among the Gentiles. That's just another way of saying the world. 
honorable. Pastor Clayton talked about honor last week a ton. We're going to continue in that. Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So this is the way that Peter would begin his letter to the church and he's talking to them about who they are, the beloved of God, and he's talking to them about what's happening in the earth in the time of Nero, in the time of Rome, in the time of pagan worship. All kinds, way more, by the way, way more open sexual uh, perversion in the earth then in their context than in ours now. And so what I want to do today is just see that this is a truth, not just of our moment in history, but of all of human history, and that sexuality specifically is how we as Christ followers can walk in the identity designed by God and that we can see that there is a, listen to me, a sexual weariness that's in the earth that finds a peace and a path forward when you lean into the design and ways of God. They did 2,000 years ago in Rome. It made a difference. It's why you have a sexual ethic that is distinct inside of Christianity. And it's what's on offer today in our world where people are looking. They're weary sexually, looking for satisfaction. And you have it, Christ follower, in the words of God by his spirit if we will walk it out. And so some of us, I'm believing, and we've had some staff fasting and praying over this message, specifically asking for this, listen to me, that some of you that have been looking for satisfaction in the space and place of sexuality would find it in the ways of Jesus Christ, all right? Now, in order to do this, we've got to start at the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 actually um, shares with us God's design. Okay, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it's the, the very first moment this is mentioned. It's going to be on the screen. Let's read it together. Genesis 1, 26, 27, it says, Then God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Pause, look at me. So our design is about God before it's about us. You see this? I need you to see the tie-in. God is saying, let us make man in our image and likeness. So when we talk about our image and likeness, People are designed to see the God who made us when they look at us. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now watch this, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, what this is known as, and I want to give you a doctrine today. It's one of my very favorite doctrines to, to lean on because it helps so much. This is known as the doctrine right here of the Imago Day. I need everybody on every campus to say Imago. One, two, three. Imago. Day. One, two, three. Day. Imago Day. It just simply means, as you see, image of God. I want you to write that down. That we were designed to represent and reflect God's image to the earth. That humanity is distinct, different than mountains and oceans and galaxies and all the other animals on the earth. Those things all point to the glory of God. But you, sir, ma'am, you were designed to reflect and point people to the God of the universe. That was your essence. And this is what you were made for. This is your deep purpose, okay? 
And so I want you to put a statement on your notes or maybe even say it out loud in just a moment. I want you to write this phrase down. I am created in the image of God. Can we all say that together, New Spring Church? I am created in the image of God. Now I want you to tap your neighbor and say, you were created in the image of God. You were created in the image of God. Now here's where this impacts, okay, the world. This is a worldview. And you're going to feel me today touch some some threads in our world that could potentially trigger you thinking I'm trying to be political. Look at me. I am not trying to be political. I'm trying to be biblical. And there are some biblical realities that are above politics. And some of these things make their way down into the world we live in today. And one of the primary ones is the Imago Dei image of God. There are biblical realities. So let me give you an example. The Christian worldview for 2,000 years has valued people that are made in the image of God, not just because of who people are, but because of who the God is who made those people. This is why Christians treat other people made in the image of God who actually adhere to different religions, we treat them with dignity. This is why it doesn't matter who is getting hurt or who is getting oppressed or who is getting abused on the planet, Christians come and say, we are for the least and the lost and the last because they have been made and created in the image of God, amen? This is why Christ followers, maybe you've wondered, this is why Christ followers historic have been such big proponents of orphans and widows because we are created in the image of God and we are called to protect those that cannot protect themselves. This is why, as Christ followers, we have a worldview that protects and loves and values, listen to me, the image of God in utero, in the life of the unborn. This is why Christians care. This is not about politics. This is about a worldview that concerns itself with the image of God. Pick up and leave the United States of America and you could go move anywhere in the world. If you're a Christ follower, this is gonna help you determine how you love people. This is why men who proclaim Christ as their Lord, like Dr. King, cared about doing nonviolent protests because he cared about the image of God in the United States of America. And we are really confusing to a world that wants to push us to the right and left as citizens of heaven, aren't we? So people want to push us to the right or left and say, oh, they're, they're a whole bunch of these kind of people because they care about pro-life issues. And as soon as they hear that, then they go, wait a minute, they care about the issues of those that are creating the image of God who don't look like them too. And in our world, we have politicians that just put that in one category and that in the other. And we don't live right and left in the kingdom of God. We live kingdom down, amen? Amen? So this is where this comes from. This is why this place will be a place that lifts up the word of God, no matter what. It's always right, even if the whole world says it's wrong, when it comes to the things of God. It's always, listen, and we will never, ever step into a place that we think culturally is going wrong, even if everybody's doing it, because the kingdom of God is something we're going to live for. Amen? That is the Imago Dei. It is, A.W. Tozer in, in one of his many books, brilliant, brilliant theologian of old, pastor of old in Chicago, used to talk about this. He says, if you understand and have a right view of God, it'll solve a thousand other issues you've got in the earth. This is one of the issues to solve. Look at me. Close your mind around this, Christ follower. You have an open mind so that your mind might grasp truth. And once you have truth, you close your mind around it. One of the truths to drive down deep into your heart as a follower of Jesus is the Imago Dei image of God. It'll help you make 10,000 decisions in life. 
no matter what comes culturally, if you understand that men and women, men and women that don't look like you, men and women that aren't from your country, men and women that don't have the same creed as you, they're still made in the image of God and Christ followers care and concern themselves with that. Have I made my point this morning? Amen? All right. But this, of course, is not the world we live in because that was in Genesis 1, but not rhetorical. What happened in Genesis 3, New Spring Church? The fall, sin. Something happened in Genesis chapter 3. And the reality of Genesis chapter 3 is that we were made here in the image of God. And so we were reflecting God. Adam and Eve were showing off God's goodness. But listen, you've got to catch this. But the fall did something. The image of God that we were created to walk out and live as men and women. In Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says that we fell. This is so important. This is not, listen, not doing this for provocation. Doing this so that you might understand and you can explain to your children, you can understand for your coworkers, you can understand with people walking around that are asking you for insight and wisdom. Christ followers, understand this. 100% of people are not born as just image bearers, but they are born simultaneously as broken men and women. I want you to write this down. Sin has broken me and sin has broken you. Now, here's where it really matters. You need to understand that today, I want you to catch that sexually we have all been born broken. There is, there is not a class of people that was born not broken sexually. 100% of the men and women on your campus, 100% of the men and women that work with you, go to college with you, sit beside you in biology class, or on your football teams in high school, 100% of our world has been born sexually broken. This is the reality. So we've got to catch this. As Christ followers, there are not people in the church that have this right and people in the church that have this wrong. There are people in the church that are all born broken and unable to, from birth, be able to operate in the purposes of God. We can't. Specifically, we can't sexually. We're all born broken. And so this is not just, this, this is not just a cultural moment we live in here. This is something that's been historic and it's a reality for all of us. So I wrote a couple of things down that, that can really point to the sexual brokenness of our world. I want to make sure I say all of them, so I'm going to come and refer to my notes over here on these. But here's where we are sexually broken. We are sexually broken. We live in a sexually broken world. Listen, it has always been sexually broken from Genesis 3. And so this statement, I want to make sure you hear me say it. 100% yes, affirmative, and amen. When you hear the, the, the essence of this statement, I was, quote, born this way, that is true. We were all born this way. 100% of us have been sexually born away. So this is why in the earth you have things like hookup culture. This is why in the earth you have things like makeout culture. This is why in the earth you have swiping right in apps that will help you enjoy one night stands and have no um, uh, conviction around that. This is, this is why fantasies exist. This is why sex trafficking exists. This is why things like the sound of freedom has been making waves in the earth because people cannot 
consider this, but the reason it exists is because there's sexual brokenness and 100% of us have dealt with this. Listen, this week while I was researching this, did you know that in the city of Cleveland over the month of September that they have lost and have missing 1,000 1,000 young people, they can't find them in the city of Cleveland right now in our nation because they are being kidnapped and exploited and sold. Don't know where they went. 1,000 people been scooped up off the streets, kidnapped, exploited, and sold. It's happening around us. Maybe you know this, but I want to make sure you hear me say it clearly. There are more, listen, slaves in the earth today than at any other point in human history because sexual brokenness is a big piece driving this around the earth. We are all born sexually broken. Us, in the church too, all of us born sexually broken. This is, this is why um, pornography exists. This is why homosexuality exists. This is why prostitution exists. This is why pedophilia exists. This is why sexual abuse exists. This is why sexting exists. This is why massage parlors exist. This is why divorce exists because we're all born sexually broken. I hope I've done a, a good enough job covering all the bases because every single one of us have this in our DNA. Are you with me? You understand? So here's the reality that we've got to deal with. We've got to deal with the reality of being born again, and the scriptures talk very clearly about this. Jesus says that if you and I are not born, not just of woman, but born of the spirit, that we will never see the kingdom of God. It's in John chapter three with a religious guy named Nicodemus, okay? He knew all the rules, but Jesus was loving enough to tell him, you must be born again. I am just delivering the mail today. The word of God says, you and I have been born broken, that sin is not just something we do. Listen to me, sin is something we are. And if we are not born again of Christ, we cannot see the kingdom of heaven now and into eternity. Let that sit for a moment. So that's why when Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it makes so much sense. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Listen, the old is gone, and behold, the what has come, church? The new has come. The new has come. And so this is the reality. I remember at nine years old on the third row, I was born again. Jesus Christ recreated me. I can testify to that. I can testify to that moment. I can testify to that that feeling of, oh my gosh, I am broken. Doesn't matter if I grew up in church. I am broken. I'm far from God. And at nine years old, I knew I needed Jesus. Now, I don't know if you grew up in one of these kind of churches like I did, but we all would stand up at the end for invitation, and I was gripping the pew on that day, right? And the pastor would ask us to come forward. Man, I didn't budge. I went home, and I fought the Spirit. I don't know if you've ever fought the Holy Spirit. It's horrible. And he always wins. And I couldn't sleep and then ultimately got up in the middle of the night, asked my parents, what's going on? I feel this guilt. I feel this shame. And my parents led me to the Lord by their nightstand, okay? I will never forget it as long as I live. Jesus recreated me. But I want to look at you and ask a question. Have you had a moment like that? Because otherwise, you're going to continue to live out of this brokenness. And sexually speaking, you're going to continue to live out of your sexual brokenness. There will be no overcoming this. This will be where you feel like you're constantly living enslaved to your sexual cravings. 
Because you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have, and you and I in our own power don't have the strength to overcome. We have to have a supernatural power, a born again supernatural power. The Holy Spirit gave that to anyone who is in Christ. If you're in Christ, you have that power. Okay, are you with me? If you're still with me, say, I'm with you, Pastor. I'm doing my best. Jesus recreated me. I want you to understand, you must be born again. But now, I think a majority of people that are here today, that are at church at New Spring, most of you are probably right here like I am. 915 service, you have had a moment in your life where you have been recreated and made new. But you still have moments in your life where you have got real sexual brokenness that you still have to overcome and deal with. Maybe it's, maybe it's real, 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 like last night real. Okay? Now, what do you do when you're here? Well, from the age of nine, one of the things I did not realize was I had no idea of my, really, my sexual cravings, the power of that until I got much older. And I lived from about 11 till 21. For about a decade, I lived, look at me, addicted to pornography. I got introduced to pornography at youth group. And I can remember living in this world where I was like, I know that Christ has made me new, but why am I struggling with this brokenness in my life? And I did not know how to overcome it. I did not know how to deal with it. I, here, here's what I found out. Ultimately, we as Christ followers have to consistently and constantly, we have to put Jesus on the throne of our hearts and invite our sexuality to submit itself to Christ. I want you to make sure you get this because this is so important for right now in our moment. What's happening in the earth right now is there are many people that would say, I've had a moment where I believe in Jesus. I've asked him to forgive me of my sins. I, I, I don't wanna go to hell. I wanna go to heaven when I die. I wanna live with him. But I'm gonna continue to say I was born this way. I've struggled here. I've got all of this going on in my life. And what ultimately, practically we do when we do that is we put our sexuality on the throne and we ask Jesus to come along and co-sign and bow to it. Are you with me? Versus constantly putting Christ on the throne and saying sexuality, Jesus got out of the grave, he rules, he reigns, and you will submit to him and by the power of the Holy Spirit living in me, I will come again and again and again and have my sexuality bow to Jesus Christ. You following me so far? This last week, my wife and I celebrated 13 years of marriage. Yeah! She's, uh, she's actually attending Connect class this morning, so she maybe 1115 will, will cheer too, but um, she's the one that deserves all the credit there. She's put up with a whole lot, church, you know what I mean? But listen, here's what I wanna say. For 13 years, plus all the time we dated, Corey Cooper has gotten my yes, which means that every other opportunity gets my no. One of the fallacies in the earth is that if you're living in a heterosexual relationship, that somehow you don't have to submit your sexuality. That's a lie. Every single man and woman who lives under the authority of Jesus Christ, who has placed him on the throne of their heart, has to submit their sexuality every single day. This is how we are different. This is how we are distinct. This is how we live and shine bright in the earth. 
This is why Paul would write in Galatians 2.20, it's all over his letters, but here's one of the things that he says. Paul in Galatians 2.20 says it this way. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is how we do this. This is, the, this is the process of being a Christian. It's called sanctification. We live in a reality where we both simultaneously have the Spirit of God living in us, but we have that old dead body of flesh that's constantly trying to lead us. I want to show you how to practically get a hold and have handles here. This is going to be helpful for some of you, so lean in again. Has anybody read the book Atomic Habits by chance? This book right here. Atomic Habits, anybody read it? It was a New York Times bestseller. It still is. Uh, came out just a couple of years ago. James Clear actually is um, a, a brilliant uh, scientist and he comes forward and he talks about how to change your daily habits. Now, here's what you need to know. James Clear, at least to my knowledge, not a follower of Jesus. Doesn't, doesn't confess to being a Christ follower, but he identifies something in this book that is the exact thing the scripture talks about. He, uh, he identifies the difference between outcome-based change versus identity-based change. Okay, let me explain it to you. He talks about smoking cigarettes in his book. He says outcome-based change is this. Outcome-based change is you put a goal in front of you, something you desire to do, something you want to do, and you shoot for that outcome. Like if you were a smoker and you say, hey, I'm going to quit smoking. Now, I'm not going to ask, show of hands, how many of you have had to do this before or want to do this. You say, I'm going to quit smoking. So outcome-based change is I'm going to quit smoking. I made my decision. I get to my first smoke break on Monday. The people I used to smoke with, uh, they say, hey, you want to go out for a smoke break? They say, no, 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 I'm trying to quit. I'm trying to quit. I'm trying to quit. Outcome-based change fails the majority of time because it's all based on, you ready for this? Your own willpower. It's all based on everything being in the right scenario with the right kind of support around you and, and you know, you've, you, you, your, your cravings are low and you've got people cheering you on. But as soon as you get in a different environment, you have a tough day, you, you, you're stressed out, you jump back in and you start smoking again because outcome-based change is just based on your willpower. And so it doesn't work. Uh, it's something like 70 plus percent of the time it doesn't work. Outcome-based change. Well, that's encouraging. What does work? Identity-based change works. Same scenario, you're trying to quit. You get to that first smoke break on a Monday and say, hey, you wanna, go, you wanna go get a smoke real quick? Instead of saying, I'm trying to quit, you say this, I'm not a smoker. Not a smoker. Whoa, well, that's different. I mean, last week you were smoking. No, but I'm not a smoker. You see the difference? It's based on your identity. And if I'm not a smoker, then I don't smoke. Now, you can apply this across the board, but what's crazy is this is the way the Bible talks about sanctification. This is actually the supernatural way the Bible talks about walking into following Jesus, being formed into the image of Christ. The Bible says, and this is so important, we've got to stop referring to ourselves as sinners and start referring to ourselves by a whole other word in the New Testament. Anybody know the word? Saints. Saints. That you're a saint. That if you're in Christ, you are a saint. One of the most clear testimonies of this in all of Scripture is a man that we know as a saint. You and I know him historically as Saint Augustine. Now, Saint Augustine, outside of the, the text of the Bible, probably one of the most famous, if not the most famous Christian that's ever lived. Massively, massively influential. But he wasn't born a saint. He was just born 
Augustine. I don't know if his friends might have called him Augie or maybe they called him Gussie. I don't know. He was born in Rome. He was born in an aristocratic family in a culture where sexual promiscuity was the norm. He talks about this over and over again in his testimonies and his confessions is what he calls it. But he talks about how sexually promiscuous he was. And it was acceptable. That's what you did. You had all kinds of hookups. Um, let me say it like this. The kids would say it like this. Augustine had a body count. And he's sitting in a, in a conversation one day with his mother who became a Christ follower. And she is encouraging him to become a Christ follower. And he's going, no, that's not for me. It's not for me, mom. Uh, his mom's name's Monica, by the way. Uh, ultimately, the seed was planted, and he was sitting outside in a garden one day. He heard a whisper, and that whisper said, take up and read. And so he gets a Bible, and he takes up, and he reads the book of Romans. He reads who he is, broken, apart from Christ. He reads who he is in Christ, made new, born again. And he says that right there, he was made new. Now, the cool part of the story is he was so nervous he didn't know how he was going to live this new life because he had been so promiscuous. As a matter of fact, he had kids out of wedlock. He had a mistress that he had children with. How's he going to be a Christ follower? How's he going to live this life now? The Bible says he started operating in his new identity. That long before people called him a saint, he operated as a saint. The story goes like this. He's, he's now a Christ follower. He's walking through town one day, and old girl sees him. One of his old girls. Hey, Gussie. Augie. Augie, it's me, it's me. He just keeps walking. Augie, it's me. Ignores. She comes up, taps him on the shoulder, says, it's me. Hey, boo, what you doing? I'm just ad-libbing that. I don't know if that's the way it went. The famous quote is this. He, he says to her, I know it is you, but it is no longer I. I know it is you, but it's no longer I. Because I'm not that same man. I know it is you, but it is no longer I. Because I've heard the word of God. I've got the voice of the Bible telling me who I am. No longer the voice of Babylon. I lean into who God calls me in Christ. He calls me beloved. He calls me child. He calls me son. He calls me daughter. No matter what I have done or what I will do, I have a new identity. And that identity-based change led Saint Augustine to become who we know him to be, a saint in the church. Look at me. You need to understand that Christ has paid the price for you to be made new. Sexually, we were all born broken. If you've been made new in Christ, no longer answer to that old man or old woman, those old sexual cravings. Walk not putting the goal out there for I'm going to change and do it in my own power. You've got to walk in the power of your new identity purchased by Jesus on the cross, resurrected in power and received, and you can, by his spirit, begin to transform and be different so that you might make a difference. That's, again, how Peter talks in 1 Peter. Look, let's read it together. Let's read it. It says this in 1 Peter 14, 17. As obedient what? As obedient what? He's identifying you. He's giving you, you can't be a child of God unless you're born again. As obedient children, that's your identity. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges. See, there's the father language. If he's your dad, if God is your father, 
who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, then conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your what, New Spring Church? Throughout the time of your exile. So there's a way we ought to live. There's a way you and I ought to live, and that's what's on offer for us. And I just want to implore you to take your sexual conduct seriously. Don't ask God to co-opt. Let his word do the work. Let his spirit do the work. Don't ask God to bow on the throne of your sexual brokenness. And we all are sexually broken. But rather, take your sexual brokenness and lay it at the feet of Jesus. He has all the grace we need. He has the riches for every need that we have, including our sexual desires and cravings from birth. And he can remake you, recreate you. And when we do this, just like 2,000 years ago in Rome, we will give the world what they ultimately are desiring for, which in their sexual weariness, they're looking for a way forward. And we, church, we must be different. We cannot look like the world, talk like the world, sex like the world, date like the world, text like the world. We're called to a brand new standard in Christ. If you'll receive that, would you say amen? Amen. Now, that's the preach. Now it's the moment for us to step into response and obedience. Could I invite us to our feet on our campuses? We've got worship teams that are going to come and pastors that are going to lead. But I just want to say today, some of you need to be born again. You've felt this struggle for a long time. And maybe like Augustine, you've been operating in your brokenness. And today you need to come to the cross and be born again so you can be made new. Some of us, we have been living in the... I've been born again, but I've been living in the space where I've been prioritizing my sexual brokenness and I need today to come and submit it to the Lord. Before you come today and receive communion, submit it to the Lord. Some of you need to recognize we've got beautiful opportunities for prayer. Maybe you come with your spouse or come with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or come by yourself and ask the Lord to absolutely heal you. He will. I'm going to pray and then we'll respond. Father God, we've... We live in a moment in history where we feel this every day. It's in the news, it's on the television, it's in the conversations with our friends, with our kids, it's everywhere. Show us how to respond well, God. Show us how to be different that we might make a difference. Lord, show us what this brokenness provides an opportunity for gospel to come in and sweep in and renew and change our lives. Lord, help us to be a people full of grace and truth. Help us to be a people full of mercy and justice because we are a people that represents you to the world around us. We ask all of this in King Jesus' name. And we pray together. Amen. Now, Anderson family, it's just us. All the other campuses are on their own now. We've got our ministry teams that are going to come and they're going to begin to set up and prepare the tables for communion. Right over here to my right, your left is the cross. If you know today you need to receive Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to respond and move to the cross. When everybody else is moving, you can come down here. And I see John down here. He'll talk to you about responding and giving your life to Christ. If you need to come today and you need to ask for prayer because you were like me while I was addicted to pornography, I was a Christian. But I didn't realize I had the victory in Christ. It wasn't until I understood that the chains of my sexual brokenness were unlocked and untethered. I was just clinging to them. If you today want to come and ask for prayer, come and ask for prayer. If you've got a loved one you want to come and ask for prayer for, come and ask for prayer for them, a, a child that is not here today. Come and ask our prayer teams to pray. Some things will not change until we pray. But let's fill our altars up and our floor up and our prayer up as we come. This is, I don't think there's a bigger issue, church. 
Are y'all with me? There's not a bigger issue in our world right now than this one right here. And we've got to be a praying church that doesn't just hear the words but begins to activate on it. No perfect people in here. We've all come from sexual brokenness, but let's begin to walk in that new identity, all right? So, Father God, as we respond, would you churn up in our hearts the conviction level? Would you churn up in our hearts as we're not just convinced of our brokenness, but would you convince us of our righteousness like you tell us in John? Who we are in Christ, sons and daughters, beloved children of God, and that we might walk out of here being able to say just like Augustine did, it is no longer I. I'm a new man. I'm a new woman. We love you, God. We thank you for this good news we've heard today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Feel free to respond. Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina.